Anybody ever notice how life sometimes gets messy? Things happen. We, we get, things just get messed up. I read about a guy this week in Lithuania whose car got messed up. And you may not be able to see the photographs, but it's kind of rusting out. It's wrecked in the front. It's a Mercedes, but it looks pretty rough. And you can see here the front of it's messed up. The windows are out of it. It, it. His car was a mess. And what he did was he took this spray foam. You've seen this spray foam in a can? And he began to work on his car. And he put spray foam on the outside of it. And then he cut it away and shaped it and worked on it and had it painted and everything. And this is how it came out. So he cleaned up the mess. And life can be like that, you know. But wouldn't it be nice if we could just take a little spray foam and cut it away with a razor knife and fix it, and everything would be great uh, and all shiny and new and no problems whatsoever. But life doesn't work like that. Uh, sometimes we find ourselves trying to dig our way out of a mess, and we don't see any way out, and maybe even... There are times when we just don't know what to do. You know, we're just, we're just in this terrible mess. And, and we, we, can't, we can't figure out how we're going to get out of this. Today we're going to learn about a guy who was in a mess in the Bible. And we're continuing our series in Acts. We've been studying the book of Acts. We're going to finish today chapters 27 and 28 in the book of Acts, the last two chapters, and we're going to study about the Apostle Paul. Our series, of course, is called The, the Church is Born, and we're, we've seen how God established his church and how he worked through the apostles to bring that about and other people he worked through. And today, our sermon title is God Works in the Mess. And he does. And we're, we're going to think about how God works through all these different things to bring us to where he needs us to be, where he wants us to be in a place that will bring glory and honor to him. You know, all of us get in a mess. Somebody said you're either in a mess, you're coming out of a mess, or you're getting ready to go into a mess. And I find that to be true in, in my life. You know, recently you've seen in the prayer list that I'm having eye surgery. Well, turns out the surgery that I had has been canceled because the doctor that I went to to get lined up for this surgery was not in my network for my insurance. And it's a mess. And so I had to find a different doctor. And now we found another doctor, hopefully it'll be as good, that's in the network and my insurance will pay for it. Uh, I was going to have to pay the whole bill for the doctor, for the anesthesiologist, for the hospital. Uh, they weren't going to cover any of that. But now I've got the right doctor that's in the network, hospitals that are in the network, and hopefully they, uh, the insurance will cover most of the price of the surgery. But it's a mess. I've got to start all over. I've got to go to a new doctor. I've got to get a new surgery date scheduled. And hopefully that will be sooner than later. But uh, my eyes supposedly pretty bad. And if we don't do something pretty quick, I could lose my eyesight. So uh, y'all pray for me in my mess. 
pray for me today? Well, the Apostle Paul, he found himself in a mess. And we're going to see what happened today and how God worked through that. So if you have your Bible, you may want to turn to Acts chapter 27. Uh, as I said, this is the last two chapters of Acts. Paul is going to Rome. Now, it's not by choice, although he wanted at some point to go to Rome. He is now going to Rome under the guard of, of, uh, of the Romans. Uh, he had gotten himself, the Jews had accused him of some stuff, brought it before the courts of the governor, and they were prosecuting him, and he appealed to Caesar. We learned about this last week. And as a Roman citizen, which Paul was, it was his right to appeal to Caesar to take his case there. He didn't feel like he was getting a fair trial in Judea, and so he wanted to be sent before Caesar where he could feel like he could get a fair trial, and he's going off to Rome. And we pick up here in chapter 27, and they assigned a centurion to him whose name was Julius, and Julius and some other soldiers were going to escort Paul from uh, Jerusalem. Uh, well, he was in Caesarea, and they left on a boat, and they got on a, a boat, and they were heading out and going uh, to, um, to Rome. And they got on this boat, and the wind didn't cooperate. More added pressure to the mess. And they were getting a little slow, and winter was coming on, and they began to get worried because it's hard to travel in that area in the winter. Uh, the seas get rough, and you don't know what's going to happen. And so the winds slowed them down, and they, they, it, just, it just wasn't working out. It was a mess. And finally, they, they sailed, and they got off track, and they got in this storm. And they were off the island of Crete, and this nor'easter, that means the wind came from the northeast, cold winds coming down and raging up the seas, and then rain and thunderstorms. And the boat was being tossed about, and they couldn't control it. They had to put the sails down and just let the tide take the boat where it would. They put out anchors to sort of drag the boat so it wouldn't go so fast. And they, they were just in dire straits. And this storm went on and on and on. And we pick up in chapter 27 and verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. An angel from God, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. What a mess he's in. I mean, the wind and the weather's not cooperating. He's got to go to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. But here's what I want you to see. God reveals his presence even in the mess. Even when we get into those messy times in life, God is there. Jesus said, never will I leave you. 
never will I forsake you. And you think about Paul and the soldiers and the sailors on the boat, the owners on there, the captain of the ship is on there. They're all in dire straits. The ship is about to come apart. They even had to tie ropes around it to hold the, the, the ship together, those ancient wooden ships. And, and they were worried. They were concerned. And it, it, it's getting bad. But Paul says, wait a minute. God's present with us. An angel appeared to me. Nobody's going to be lost. We're going to lose the ship. But no life is going to be lost. We are going to run aground. We're going to have some trouble. But we're going to survive this. You know, that angel was a sign that God was there. God sends the angels. And God is working with them. Now, appearances of angels are rare. And I'm not telling you, whenever you get in trouble, start looking for the angel. Because, to be honest with you, God's probably not going to send one, though he might. He can do whatever he wants to do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, that some have entertained angels and not even realized they had. So God may send an angel to work with us and help us, and we may not even recognize that person was an angel. But God will be present with you. If you're one of his followers, he promises to go with you in whatever messy situation you get your life in. And he's going to work with you. And he's going to help you. And he promises his presence in your mess. And you know, how do you know God's there? Well, sometimes you can just feel his presence. You know, we have a, a saying that I say often uh, when something good happens or something goes right, I say it's almost like God was involved, right? Some of you have heard me say that. And it is because he is involved. And sometimes when you're reading God's word, you can just feel his presence speaking to you. And sometimes when you pray, you can feel that God is there in the midst of that. And sometimes when things go good, you say, give God the glory. Look what happened. God is present in this. And sometimes in the messy times, God is there. And he's working even in the mess to help you get through that. And especially when you seek his guidance, God is there. It's just almost like God is involved. Well, we move on and we look and we see that um, uh, 14th night now, they've been battered by this storm and they've been pushed uh, off the island of, of Crete and uh, they're, they're in trouble and, and they're being driven along. Well, all of a sudden, the sailors say, wait a minute, we sense that we're getting close to land. The water's getting shallower and they take some soundings, it says, and they find that the water is getting shallower so they know that, that land is near, but it's dark, they can't see anything, and they prayed that they would be safe until daylight. They put an anchor out to slow the boat down because they didn't want to run into any rocks or anything, and when daylight came, they saw a shore. And so they cut the anchors loose, and they put the sail up to take the boat into that shore, but they ran into a sandbar. And the ship got stuck, and the winds banged against it and started to break it apart, and they all had to swim for their lives. 
Those that couldn't swim had to grab a plank and float. But they made it to shore, and everybody, just as Paul's vision from the angel, everybody made it, and they were safe. I think we have a map here I want to put up and show you a little bit. Uh, they started out over here in Caesarea, and they sailed north, and they went up here, and they sailed, it says, on the lee side of Cyprus. The lee side means the side where the wind can't get to them, and the wind, uh, the way it was blowing up from down in the open sea. So they were on the lee side, and they sailed along this coast of Asia over here, and then they headed down to Crete. Now, Paul told them to winter here, but they said, no, we're going to try to make it. And this is when they got in trouble because now this nor'eastern wind is coming down. And as it comes down, it takes them out here and they go all over the place. And they wind up on this island here. Eventually, and we're going to talk about that, but they get up in here and they go all the way up here and land. And then they march into Rome. They do make it to Rome. But listen to chapter 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off of the, into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island, he welcomed us to his home and showed us gener generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. When Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They were honored in many ways. And when they were ready to sail, they furnished them with supplies we needed. I want you to notice a couple of times there, Luke says we. Luke is eyewitness to these, the author of the book of Acts. He's there with Paul on this journey to go to Rome. Second thing I want us to think about today is that God moves in various ways to show who he is. Even in the mess, God moves in all kinds of ways. I mean, you think about what happened here. This ship all the people got off and all of them got, were alive and all of them made it to shore, even though the ship was broken apart. The people they met there were not hostile. In fact, they were very generous. They were very cordial and showed kindness. Paul got bit by a snake and the people thought, ah, oh, we know this snake, <laughs> he's dead. He's as good as gone. But he didn't. Nothing happened. They even thought he was some kind of God. He got to meet the chief official on the island. He even got to minister to this guy and heal his father. When people saw that, people from everywhere started coming. And Paul was able to hold a healing service and people got healed. And you got to know he shared the good news about Jesus. 
He got to preach to people he might not otherwise ever have seen. And when he got ready to go, they gave him all the supplies that they needed to take care. It's just almost like God was involved. Just almost, wouldn't you say? God is involved. Because God wants to be involved. And God works all kinds of ways around us if we'll pay attention. You know, we often will see God working to facilitate the spread of his gospel, his good news, even in the mess. Sometimes God steps in and does it himself, just like the first time he appeared to Paul. He just spoke directly to Paul through Jesus. But other times God uses people. And God works in people to bring about situations to, to enable his plan to be carried out. And sometimes God's presence is seen in situations. Sometimes it's in doors that he opens. And you'll say, well, this will never happen. And all of a sudden it happens. Or sometimes God works in the timing of things. Only if this could happen at this time. And all of a sudden it happens. And you say, God must be involved. Pastor David Gable was in Fresno, California. He finished up his Wednesday night uh, service, and there he looked up, and a lady said, uh, Pastor, can I talk to you? And Pastor Gable said, of course. And she said, my husband has left me, and she began to cry, and she's moved into an apartment somewhere with two other women, and I don't know what to do. And he said, well, is your husband a Christian? And she said, yes, he led me to Christ. And Pastor Gable said, well, I'll be glad to talk to him. How can I get in touch with him? And she said, he won't return my calls. And he said, well, if you can figure out how to get him in touch, I'll be glad to talk with him. I'll pray for you. And he prayed with her, and he kept her in his prayers. That was Wednesday. Next day was Thursday. He went to his office and worked. Didn't really have any contact with too many people, a couple of staff members. Went home. Friday was his day off, and he was working out in the yard, and he needed some more plants to plant in his yard, and he got in the car and went to the normal store where he buys his plants, but the plants were too high that day, the prices. And he thought, I can do better. And he went to a store that he never goes to. Something led him, something led him to go to this other store and he goes in and he finds the plants and they're cheaper and it's just what he needs. And he gets ready to go check out and there's a guy there getting ready to check him out. And he looks at his name tag, same last name as the girl he prayed for on Wednesday night. He said, can I ask you a personal question? And the guy said, yeah. He said, are you married to so-and-so? He said, yeah. He said, God sent me to talk to you. And he was able to set up an appointment with this guy to talk to him. It's just almost like God was involved. I think he was. You see, God works in all kinds of ways. We pay attention. God is working. We move on here in chapter 28. They stayed on that island for three months until winter passed, and then they were able to move on into Rome. Word had gotten out that the great apostle Paul was coming to Rome. Some Christian people got together and met him and 
attended to all their needs and brought them food and various things and, and, uh, and welcomed them as they went to Rome. They reported in. Of course, the guard had a responsibility. Julius, the centurion, had a responsibility to take him to Caesar's palace, and, and they signed up to get a, a, an audience with Caesar. And during the meantime, Paul was allowed to live in his own rented house, though he had a guard with him every day. They think he was probably chained to a different guard each day. He couldn't leave the house, but he was able to be there, and he was able to receive people, and many people came. And after three days, he sent for the Jewish synagogue, for the leaders of that, to come and visit him. And he wanted to, to tell them about the situation that he was in why he was in Rome, that he was going to stand trial, and that he had not violated Jewish law. And, and they said, well, we hadn't heard anything about it, no letters from Jerusalem or anything. And they made an appointment to come back and hear what Paul wanted to say about Jesus. Verse 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came even in larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus. You see, even in the mess, God provides opportunities to share the gospel. So Paul got to share the gospel with all the, the Jewish leaders and and many of the people from the local synagogue. You know, even in the messy times of life, God's going to put people around us that need to hear the gospel. You know what Paul could have done? He, when this whole mess started, he could have said, that's it, God. This is just too much. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at the Romans. I'm mad at the Jews. And he should have started complaining and arguing and said, you know, this, this, this whole mess is crazy, and, and, and I quit. I'm, I'm not doing any more if this is how I'm going to be treated. And he could have blamed everybody else. And instead, Paul looked at this and said, Wow, here's an opportunity to go to Rome, which was the capital of the world in that day. And I get to go to Rome... And I get to speak to people I might not otherwise ever come in contact with. And I get to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. What do we do when we find ourselves in a mess? When we find ourselves in a mess, do we say, Ah, oh, it's not my fault. This is somebody else's fault. Somebody, God, it's your fault that I'm in this mess. And do we get angry? And do we just focus on ourselves, Or do we say, look at the opportunities before me. Tim Johnson was a pastor. He was headed off on an airplane flight. He was going to a conference. And the day he went to the airport, it was slammed. And they were on high alert. And they were searching everybody's luggage. And so the lines were backed up, and it was a zoo, he said. And it came my turn, and he got in line, and the, the TSA agent opened up his suitcase and started checking every nook and cranny. Every zipper had to reach his hand in there and 
he, was, he said, this is going to take forever. And, but he noticed on this TSA agent, he had a ring on, and on that ring, there was a cross. And he was just trying to make small talk. He said, I like your ring. And the TSA agent looked up, didn't miss a beat, kept working. He said, you know what that means, right? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus. And he said, you know what? There's a Greek word in the New Testament. It's dunamis. It's the word we get our word dynamite from. But in the Greek, the word means power. And he said, I wear that ring to remind me that I'm working under God's power. And I need it. Because sometimes there might be dynamite in one of these cases. There may be bombs in here. There may be people trying to smuggle stuff. And I need to work under God's power. And so as I work, I know that I'm protected by Jesus and that Jesus is with me. And no matter what happens, I'm with Jesus. Well, everybody standing around heard this guy witness to Pastor Tim. You see, even in the mess, even when things are slammed, we have opportunity to share the message of who we trust and who we look to to be our protector. You don't always have the time to share the whole gospel, but you can always be a witness and plant a seed to somebody else that Jesus is real and that he cares about people. You may even have opportunity to invite someone to come to church. But you know what? I know and you know not everybody will receive the gospel. Chapter 28, verse 24, Paul was in this meeting with all these Jewish people. Verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, and this is Paul preaching to them, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Paul's quoting from Isaiah the prophet. And so what I want you to see is that God is not surprised when people reject him. Because even his own people back in Isaiah's day rejected him. They wouldn't hear his message. They wouldn't turn. They wouldn't live for him. They wouldn't repent. Why should we expect any less? Many people are not interested in any kind of relationship with God. And that's certainly the case today. Before I moved to Bristol, I used to backpack a lot when I lived in Knoxville in the Smoky Mountains. And one occasion there was a trip. We had, me and my friend had planned it out a couple of nights in the Smokies. And we were going to hike and we left our car at one place and we had a trail picked out that was going to come around and bring us back close to the car and uh, spend a couple of nights out in the wilderness and do a little fly fishing in the rivers up there. And uh, we got there and the trail was closed. We had carefully planned this out. There had been bear activity and a person had been attacked by a bear and so they closed that trail down until they could trap that bear and... 
So we had to, you know, it's a mess. Our plan was all messed up. And we had to change our plan, and we had to get the map out and figure out another trail to take, and, and, uh, and we did. It wasn't long before I discovered why we had been put on a different trail. We ran into some other people at the campsite where we stayed, and I got in a conversation with this guy, and it turns out this young guy in his 20s uh, was about to have surgery. It was, his life was in danger, and he was going on one last backpacking trip because he was going to be laid up for a long time with the surgery he had to have. Turns out this guy had a pretty rough life. He had been into drugs and, and uh, uh, probably uh, later on that night I found out I smelled a little marijuana in the air, so he's probably taken a little bit of that at night. And Anyway, I, I got to talk with him. And that night, I, I asked him, did he know the Lord? Because I was going to try to, you know, make sure before he goes in for this surgery that he is, you know, right with the Lord. And he said, you, you mean Jesus, right? And I said, yeah. He said, eh, I don't put much stock in that. He said, I, I believe just God wants us to live good lives and help people. And I go down to the, help, to the Catholic Church every week and help feed the homeless. And I think that's, a, a, that's good enough for God. I said, well, let me explain to you what God says. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel that we've all sinned. And our problem with God is that we're sinners. And we need saving and forgiveness. And he listened, but he said, yeah, that's, that may be okay for you, but that's not for me. I just believe that God, just as long as we're trying to do good, God's okay with that. And that's not what the Bible teaches. And so the next morning, he we were all cooking breakfast, and I got to talk with him again, but he would not accept the message of the gospel. And many people won't. They don't want to hear it. And this guy was the case. God's not surprised when that happens. But sometimes people will accept the message. I heard about this missionary. He was in a country that was restricted access in this particular country, you can't speak openly about Jesus Christ. You can't start a church. They have an underground church. But this missionary made a friend, and, and he got to spend time with this guy, and he got to know him, and he was an educated professional. And one day, he finally got the opportunity to share the gospel with this man. And as he shared the gospel, the man said this to him, What you have told me cannot be true. If it were true, it is such good news that someone would have told this to me before. I mean, this gospel that we preach, is it good news? Is it true? Is it such good news that you can have the right relationship with God, that your sins can be forgiven, and that when you die, you will go to spend eternity with God? Is that not good news? And is that good news not worth telling to people? And should anybody ever say, nobody ever told me that before. We should be excited about the good news of the gospel. Well, if you look over here in chapter 28, verse 28, Paul says to these Jews as they're leaving, therefore I want you to know 
that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. For two years, he's chained to a Roman guard, different one every day. They all heard the gospel. People were free to come and see him. They heard the gospel. And in the midst of Paul's mess, he got to tell people, person after person, about Jesus Christ. And here's our connection. Even in the messy times of life, expect God to work in and through those who believe in Jesus. You know, God wants to work in you to save you. But he wants to work through you to help save others. And we have seen through this study of Acts, we have seen how the church was born, how it began. And we have seen how God worked in Peter and how he worked in Paul and how he worked through both of them to bring numerous people to Christ. And he established his church and he wants his church to be working in the people of the church and to work through the people of the church. And he wants that church to continue and continue to grow. Pastor Lee Elkov says that there's a coffee shop where he goes. It's, I've heard of it, Einstein Bagels, something like that. And anyway, um, he would go and get coffee every morning, maybe get a bagel. But he like to stir up conversation with people sitting around in there in the morning and everybody would just sit wherever. And he said he'd met some interesting people there. He met one person and they found out he was a preacher. It was a lady and she said, I'm Jewish, but I'm interested to know more about Jesus Christ. And he would share with her and, and uh, he would see her occasionally. And several times he got to sit and talk with her explain Jesus and one time he's sitting there talking to her and he says you know at some point you just have to make a decision if you're going to accept Christ or not well he said when he said that she started crying and she packed up all her stuff and got mad and walked out and he said there was another occasion this guy with a book bag full of books and he's always had his nose in a book and he got to talking with him and and he told him he was a preacher and everything and the guy got, met with him, you know, he saw him a couple of times, and then he was talking to him one day, and the guy said, hey, preach, can I come to your church on Sunday? And he said, sure. And he said the guy showed up, and they had a guest speaker who shared the gospel message, and that guy and his girlfriend came forward that day and gave his life to church, to Christ, and been coming to church ever since. He said another time, there was this dentist that he met, his name was Jim, and he'd talked with Jim in the mornings and, and got to be, you know, kind of friends with him. And, and one day, Jim said, Preach, I need to talk to you. He said, uh, My son is a Christian missionary, and it's New Year, and I promised him in the New Year that I would start going to church. So I want to know if I can come to your church. And he said, Well, yeah, you can come to my church. And he said, Good. Uh, he said, I'm preaching this week on the Good Shepherd and the lost sheep. And the dentist said, that's great. I'll be there Sunday. And he came. 
And you see, we never know how God's going to work in our lives until we turn our radar on and we start to think about what God wants us to do. And we deal with people and we meet with people. And God worked through Peter. He worked through Paul. And yes, God wants to work through you. So open up your heart and let that Holy Spirit begin to work in you. Because even in the mess of your life, God can use you to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that his church that was born all the way back in the book of Acts can continue to grow and thrive and we'd be part of it. Let's pray. God, we thank you today. We thank you for Jesus, what he does, the work that he does, the spirit, the work it does. For men like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, you work, you change their lives and use them. Lord, you can change our lives. You want to save us and you want us to help save others. So I pray that you help us to be part of this continuation of the church that was born in the book of Acts. And you guide us and direct us as we go forward. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray and praise today.